coming up on this episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. Have you ever worried that your kids are wasting their time developing a talent that you seriously doubt will go anywhere? What should you do about it? On the flip side, have you ever worried that you might be the parent who is pushing their child and trying to live vicariously through them? Where do you draw the line between being supportive and being pushy? Today, we're going to answer these questions and share some simple ways you can protect your relationship with your children, support their dreams, and at the same time have complete confidence that you aren't trying to live their lives for them. All this and more, but first, the joke of the day. My son asked me, where does poo come from? I was a little uncomfortable, but gave him an honest explanation. He looked a little perplexed and stared at me in stunned silence for a few seconds and then finally asked, and what about Tigger? Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Money Pants Superpower Hour. We are your hosts, Hannah and Fontaine Judd, and we're the proud parents of eight sons and seven daughters, ranging in age from toddler to college student. We're both BYU graduates and the creators of Money Pants. Head on over to CaptainMoneyPants.com to learn more about what we do and what we're all about. We believe every person on this planet has been given at least one superpower to help them accomplish their unique mission in life. But the only way to unlock those superpowers is through work ethic. That's when greatness happens. And that's where Money Pants comes in. Money Pants is the complete tool set for cultivating work ethic in all aspects of a person's life. And today's topic is about, well, going back to superpowers again, Hannah. We did a podcast about a year ago called, uh, I think it's called Nine Keys to Discovering Your Kid's Superpowers. And so this is kind of like a follow-up to that where we're going to be discussing ways to help your kids develop those superpowers. Uh, but also, I guess in the kind of at the same vein as how to not crush your kids' dreams. It's kind of the, the, the idea here is how do we, kids have superpowers. We truly believe everyone has at least one superpower. And we talked about, you know, how do you figure what that is? You know, oh, well, the, how do you find out what those superpowers are in our previous podcast? Well, this one, we want to say like, once you figured it out, how do you develop it? Yeah. And uh, well, the thing that got me it got me thinking about that is uh, this week I was texting a brother of mine and he has a son who's about 12 years old who's very talented at storytelling. Kids all gather around him to listen to him tell stories because he's very talented at telling stories in a very interesting way. And for fun, he loves to write. He loves to write stories. And and that's what he does in his spare time is he writes stories. And so I was asking him, I was like, oh, well, have you taken Dan Brown's masterclass and, and whatnot? He texted back and he said, well, you know, I was looking into writing classes and and Wait, your brother or your uh, my, my brother said he was looking into writing classes for his son to help oh, okay. him uh, develop this this talent this of obvious his. talent yeah, yeah this thing that he loves to do and he goes but I'm worried if I put him in a class that it's actually going to end up like destroying his love of writing instead of like cultivating it it's going to end up destroying it and I thought about that I'm like you know what? That's a very valid concern. <laughs> yes, it and, is. Um, how do you? How would you know that? Uh, well, I in, in high school, I took a video production class, 
and I absolutely loved it. I, I loved thinking of ideas, making them happen, and, and watching my audience watch the thing that I produced and seeing their reaction to it. And and I, I just was like, oh my goodness, I love this. And so I ended up saying, you know what, that's what I want to study in school. And that's what I want to major in in college. And, and so I headed out to school. I actually had an academic scholarship, but I had chosen film. And the film program that I was in, for whatever reason, the teachers all had very negative attitudes. I don't know if it's because they felt bad about themselves, if they, because they had never reached their goals or hadn't become what they had hoped to be. I don't know, but they all seemed to have chips on their kind of a shoulders kind of and, a, a culture of negativity there yeah and I, I was from the south I had a southern accent and I remember like the first time I I met with an advisor there I wasn't even in the program and and she told me that I wasn't going to go anywhere doing anything because of my southern accent that nobody would ever yeah tell that to take, Matthew McConaughey yeah and nobody would ever take me seriously and <laughs> and I would be nothing and go nowhere and especially since I was a girl. And I was like, okay, glad to meet you. I, I mean, well, thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Lovely intro to the film um, program, yeah. Uh, so, but, but that was like, I remember we had like a group class and instead of learning anything each week, they would lecture us. Our lecture, no joke, was how we should drop the major and how none of us were going to succeed. We weren't going to make any money and weren't going to have a family life. And we should, you know, would probably like commit suicide before we like reached 30. Like it was just ridiculous. And it was like encouraging environment. Yeah. And I remember thinking, well, why don't you like try teaching us something so it'll reduce the chances of us being jobless? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy where they didn't give you any skills. Yeah. And so then they're like, yeah. And so actually, most of the people in our major did fail. What I noticed was I had, I, I went ahead and I finished that major, but by the end of it, because of the culture there and the extreme negativity, by the end of the four years, I had gone into that program with a lot of confidence, a lot of enthusiasm. I had made a lot of things in high school. Um, I had won a lot of awards in high school, like in my county, because we had a, a, a competition between schools that was really cool. I had won a lot of the top awards. So I, I was going into college with you know really high hopes, a lot of enthusiasm. And by the end of the four years, my confidence in my abilities was in the toilet. I didn't want to get a job in film. I didn't think I could do anything. I didn't think I could contribute. It just crushed all my confidence, all my enjoyment of doing this thing that I was excited to learn about and excited to do and had a little bit of talent doing. And it like a college literally destroyed that. And and so I, that's the podcast. There yeah, you go. So so end. my brother saying that he was worried <laughs> that getting a writing teacher would actually backfire and destroy his son's love for writing. 
that's a valid concern. And I know you you had a similar experience and maybe for different reasons, but a similar experience where you were not supported in Well, no. Something. So, so growing up, I, I just loved basketball. I, I was one of those kids. Uh, basketball was just, it was the coolest sport to me. And all I, I just wanted to play basketball. I would routinely get kids from the neighborhood over to our driveway where we had a you know basketball hoop, and I'd organize games on a regular basis. And weekends, I had, and even when I was older, when I was in high school or in college, and even after I graduated from college, I would routinely get people together to play basketball. I, I organized leagues. That was just, that's what I did. I, I loved basketball that much. Well, when I was much younger, I had... I wasn't that tall and I wasn't that good, but I really loved no, basketball. You were short. You were short. I was, you, I was a were, short yeah. you were a small kid. Yep. You were. I was a what you would call a late bloomer. Yeah. yeah I mean you're not small now, but no. you, you were you were a small kid. I was I was under I was five feet tall until my junior year of high school. And then in one year I shot up a foot. <laughs> and and then I kept growing until I was like 25. So I just... I, yeah. We got married and when he was 24, and he was 5'11 when we got married. And a couple years later, we measured him, and he was six foot one. <laughs> so he kept growing. I, I blame your food. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was a very good feeding cooking me. person. So, but, but when I was younger, and I, I, I just I loved playing basketball, and... It was really sad to me because I spent a lot of time practicing. And one day my dad saw me in the driveway practicing and he turned to me and he's like, why, why do you spend so much time with this? And I'm like, because I like it. And he's like, are you going to go, are you going to play in the NBA? I'm like, probably not. I don't, I, I mean, how do, how do you answer that? I was what, 13? I, I wanted, boy, that would have been a dream though. But I, I think I answered, no, I'm not going to play in the NBA. And he's like, and it's just a waste of time. And left it at that. And I was like, that was real. First of all, that was really lame. That's a really lame thing to, to tell anybody, let alone your son, let alone about his favorite thing. So I, I thought that was, that was a pretty lame thing to do. But on top of that, though, what, what if we flipped the script? What if he had come home and seen me practicing and realized I was practicing incorrectly? Because I was. I, I had no training. I had no background. I had no models. This was before YouTube. This was before, you know, ordering videos to, to, to understand things. Like, this was, this was before all of that. And so I just had to base my, my, my shot and my skills all off of what, I, what limited access I had to the games on TV and the people around me. And that was it. And so I had no way to learn proper yeah. technique. And yeah, if you've done anything, like if you've done dance or anything like that, you know that you need proper technique and proper yeah. training. Yeah. If you just, like if somebody said, oh, I want to be a dancer, and they just got in front of a mirror and practiced and things, for hours and, and hours, and, you know, uh, yeah, that chances are that wouldn't work out so well. Well, and that was the problem. And so, like I said, let's flip the script. What if my dad had seen me out there? Instead, he said, wow. You love basketball. What, what can I do to help? What, what, what do you What do you think would be most helpful for you in your basketball? That would That would have made That would have changed everything for me. Where just knowing he supported me, but also if I could have gotten just a little bit of training, and you know he was right. I was only five feet tall. I, obviously, I wasn't going to stay that height. I was going to grow eventually. 
I don't know that he knew I was going to be six foot one. You you're realize his, that you're his tallest kid. I am. <laughs> and it's interesting to me where I'm the same height as starting point guards in the NBA. Chris Paul. I, I, I'm the same height as Chris Paul. I'm taller than Kemba Walker. And I'm the same height, same height as uh, 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 NBA champion Rajon Rondo. Like, so if he had just supported me a little bit, it would have it would have gone a long way. Even if, even if I wasn't planning on going pro, even if I didn't make it to the pros, it sure would have strengthened the relationship as well, and made me. It would have bolstered my confidence. It just would have done a whole bunch of really good things for me. Instead, <laughs> what happened was I ended up spending hours and hours practicing incorrectly, never made the basketball team. And years later, I finally learned the proper way to shoot a basketball, and I had to completely redo my shot. Well, I remember when we got married, you did not have any technique. I, I watched you play a game. I'm like, oh. Uh, like It was obvious you had never had any training. And then years later, you know, with the Internet, and I don't know if somebody gave you feedback, but a couple years later, your game you became really good at basketball and it was like amazing to watch. And I'm like, if he had gotten a little bit of training. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. I had a video camera and I videotaped myself. Oh, and, and so even it. having that, oh, that yeah, was it? That okay. Was it. And I'm it like, was, wait, it was night shot, and day. My shot is wrong. That's not how you're supposed to shoot the basketball. Oh, I'm slow getting back on defense. Oh, my form is not correct when I'm guarding somebody. Oh, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Because I, because no, nobody, nobody had given you no, feedback. Nobody had ever given me any feedback. Oh, so anyway, that so, was incredible. So was <laughs> so this was this was kind of uh, going back to this whole idea of, of uh, we're going to be discussing ways to help your kids develop those superpowers, but also how to not <laughs> crush your kids' dreams. Going back to your brother's initial complaint about you know worrying that hiring a teacher or getting his son you know some sort of training might crush his desire or, or ruin his desire to, to continue this skill. And then your experience with, with the, the film program and then my experience with basketball, we're like, how do you, how do you go about this uh, the right way? What, what's the right way to, to support your children in their dreams and their goals? And, 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 and here's the thing, Hannah, and I, I, the idea is that, that willingness to work and an enthusiasm for whatever it is and dedication, those are much more important than raw talent. I, as a basketball player, did not have that raw talent. But what if I had been given the opportunity, the enthusiasm that I had for the game and my dedication to practicing? Hannah, I would practice two hours a day on my own. What if that had been channeled in a right direction? I could have developed that talent. I actually don't know that that's true um, because I've watched you play basketball and you do actually have natural talent. I have court court awareness and passing. Yeah, your passing game is crazy. Like, yeah, anyway, and also the speed that you react to things uh, is... Is unusual. So I, have, I, do have, I do have a very reflexes. quick. I have a quick first step too. <laughs> yeah. True. So, yeah. So th- there's also the point of, hey, you know what? The concern of, well, you're not going to go pro. Well, sometimes kids are interested in things, or they think they're interested in it, and yeah, it turns out that it's not for them. And the best way to find that out isn't to tell them, oh, you're never going to succeed, and this is stupid. Uh, a lot of times, the best way to is the opposite. Is to do the opposite. Go, let's do it. And so it, it was funny for years and years. I'd, I'd 
I, somebody once told me, oh, you'd be a great tennis player. And so after that, I was like obsessed with tennis. I'm like, oh, I would love to play tennis. And I envisioned myself wearing those cute outfits and playing tennis and looking super cute playing tennis and, and being really good at it. And, and I, but I never had the opportunity to play tennis. And then finally in college, I signed up for a tennis class. And you know what? I hated tennis. I absolutely hated it. It was not, I was like, I am not chasing that green ball. Why? I don't have the energy. Like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it, it was not the sport for me. It, it, it seemed tedious to me. And it just wasn't what mm. I wanted to do with my time or energy. And I also wasn't quite, I, I'm a heavier build. And I just wasn't, I didn't have the agility that I, I think that sport probably yeah, requires. Yeah. And so I it answered it myself. No, this isn't what I want to do. But it would have just been better to probably just get in there, get that bug out and move on. Satisfy that itch. Yeah, think, yeah. satisfy that itch. So if you think your kid's not going to be interested in it, the quickest, easiest way to establish that is to let them do it, you know, and yeah, because then yeah, they'll be satisfied. Yeah, and, then, and your relationship isn't going to be ruined yeah. over it. But that was that was another experience. But uh, back to this idea that a willingness to work is more important than than the raw talent itself. Florida Dance Theater was started by a woman named Carol Erks, mm. and I I had the privilege of being one of the first dancers with that company when she was uh, getting it started. And I would actually catch rides with her to uh, to dance. And so we, we talked a lot, but she had been a professional dancer. She had also trained many, many dancers. And she once shared with me an observation that a lot of times she had noticed that in her years of being a professional dancer and, and also training dancers, that a lot of times people who walked, you know, were put into dance classes who had just the perfect dancer body and a natural turnout and natural extension and, and all these things that people have to work so hard to get. A lot of times they weren't actually interested in dance. It's, they were bored with it. It wasn't actually what they wanted to do. They were just in there because they had the perfect dancer body, but it wasn't actually something their heart was in. And a lot of times they just, you know, ended up not really following through or applying themselves. And, and that was the end of it. Whereas other people who maybe didn't have those natural things going for them worked the hardest and um, a lot of times ended up succeeding as professional dancers because they loved dancing and they were committed to it. They were dedicated to it. They were willing to learn and they were willing to do hard things in order to succeed. And so, so don't, the lesson is, oh, you know, and, and you could take that for other things. Like just because somebody's tall doesn't mean they love basketball. Just because they're physically tall, it doesn't mean that they are going to be super excited about basketball. It's, that's not how it works. Right. Uh, whereas you might have a shorter person who is crazy about basketball, loves it, willing to work, put, put in all the hours, that person's going to succeed. So, and that kind of reminds me of, of, of that movie, Rudy. 
where the the short kid wants to play uh, for Notre Dame, I think. Mm-hmm. And he just he wouldn't quit. This kid, and I don't know that it's a, the best movie, but it's a it's an inspiring story in that this kid wouldn't quit, and he had so much enthusiasm, and he worked so hard. And he was an inspiration to the whole team. Well, obviously he was an inspiration because they ended up making a movie about the guy where he worked so hard to, and he was what, five foot seven, something like that. Not nowhere near the size of a linebacker uh, uh, on a uh, on a D1 team, let alone the NFL. Yet here this kid was, and, and he got in there and day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, so he could play on the football team. And he did. He ended up playing on the football team and and did a good job. But it was just fascinating. His enthusiasm was was infectious. And, he, and it wasn't until he achieved that that he was finally satisfied. Like, I've done, I've done my best. And now that, I don't know, that itch, that, that bug, whatever you want to call it, it's been satisfied. But if he hadn't had the opportunity to, to go all out, and, and try to fulfill that dream, I think he would have always been, uh, there would have been a gap. What would be the term, Hannah? There'd be this like, this emptiness, this gnawing in his gut of, if only, uh, uh, um, um, regret. That's the term. Yeah. There would be this regret. And so we don't want to give our kids that. And and, and it goes on to the, this point though, Hannah, where you said, you know, it's not, it's not the raw talent. It's not the, they're born with per se. It's, it's, the enthusiasm and the work ethic that really defines those who are truly great. And I and I I know he's disgraced now, but I, I think the example of of OJ Simpson is really good where he had uh, he was on uh, crutches or something when he was a young kid. But he wanted to play football so bad. And he worked at it. And he even I, I think he at one point and the story is told, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's the story. Where one time after a game, he he had seen Jim Brown play, and Jim Brown, you know, the famous running back, amazing, broke all these records and, and or had set all these records. And, and O.J. Simpson saw him after the game. He had this kid in crutches and, and wearing leg braces, and he he said to, to Jim Brown, he's like, "Someday I'm going to break all your records." Of course, Jim Brown's like, "Yeah, right, kid." But you know, pat on your head, good, good luck, uh, good on you, good luck. And turns out, I think what I what I read was that O.J. Simpson did in fact break. All of Jim Brown's records, except for one or two, like that's how that's the debt little level yeah, of dedication. Yeah, and he, he was had. he was handicapped yeah. as a child, like handicapped. Uh, certainly did not have physically uh, superior body in any sort of way, but but yes, his determination made up for uh, made up for th- th- that and more. And more because he was truly a great athlete. So and well, so that so that the first principle I guess that we wanted to talk about was you know the willingness to work and enthusiasm and dedication are more important than raw talent. But then that leads into kind of the principle number well, isn't, two. Isn't that John Wooden? Doesn't he have? Oh a, yeah, John Wooden. Uh, some almost like that. He says raw talent is cheaper than table salt. It's the work ethic that truly defines whether someone's going to be successful. Something like that. I'm butchering the quote, but basically that's the idea. It's the John Wooden yeah, quote. Yeah, which is why you want to do money pants because that that willingness to work, that ability to work that's is the key. actually more valuable. But then principle number two would be uh, the, 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 to get rid of the false notion that athletes must be physically superior humans. That these professional uh, musicians 
are somehow physically superior, like, oh, the way they play the keys or the way they sing or the way they dance. Oh, they just must be gifted. They must be these, these I don't know, gods. They, they, they're the well, it's kind of like the movie Gattaca. Oh, God. Yeah, great where, movie. Where, great oh, movie. It's, it's their DNA. Yeah. It's the, their DNA. They have this perfect thing and that perfect thing. And I love that movie, by the way. If you haven't watched it or uh, haven't watched it in a long time. That is uh, a great movie. Yeah, where, where the human heart and the determination of the human heart has trumps a, raw talent yeah, even genetics yeah. yeah it trumps it so so this prin- principle number two would be to get rid of the idea that athletes and professionals must be physically superior humans not true matter of fact athletes are not gen- genetically superior because yeah, and I, I love this quote every professional every pro- professional not just athletes but every professional was once an amateur let that sink in for a second. Every professional you see at one point was an amateur. They weren't all, they're not all born professional. So this idea that, oh, it's only for the gifted, it's only for the amazing. No, it's not. It's, it's up for grabs. And here in America, too, we have the, the land of opportunity. There is really nothing holding you back but yourself. Yeah, so my my daughter was taking a psychology class and she we were on a walk and she was telling me a lot of people assume that like Olympic athletes have like must have these superior bodies to everybody else. And it turns out that's actually not true. You know, a lot of times they have healthy bodies, but in like OJ Simpson, no. Um <laughs> so not even that necessarily, but she's explaining like when you run, like if, for example, let's say you're practicing running, as you run, your brain, every time you practice, the neurons in your brain start to get a little, move a little bit closer together and a little bit closer together and closer together. And your reaction time becomes quicker. Like when your brain hmm. says, move that leg forward, you're able to do it quicker because those neurons have moved closer really? and closer. So the more you practice, the closer those neurons move, the closer they go. And soon they're just, you know, lightning fast, these amazing athletes. And it's through their hard work and practice that they're able to achieve that. So they're training their do, body to be faster. Yeah, they, they, yes, but the neurons, it's because... Every time they practice, the neurons... Now, they have to practice with correct technique. That's cool. um, But if they're getting proper training, correct technique, and they practice that correct technique, they'll get faster and faster as they practice because their brain is able to send out the signals faster and faster. But and the muscles it actually, react faster. It's, it's similar to intelligence. People are like, oh, you, you know, smartness, it's what you have. And it's like, no... Every time you work to learn something, you're building neural networks in Mm. your brain. And the only way to do that is through work and study. (laughs) Well, the same thing actually applies to physical abilities like running or dancing. Or as you practice, your brain actually develops and can become faster and and more efficient every single time you practice. So so that's this idea that oh that's just how they are. Oh, they're they're just an Olympic athlete. No, they've had to work very very hard to be able to do the amazing things mm. that they they do. So yeah, it's hard work, correct training together. So with that said, if you have a child who's expressing an interest in a, a sport or an academic pursuit, 
Okay, this this actually drives me crazy because I see parents do this where they've got a little scrawny kid and he's like, I want to do the long jump. And they're like, yeah, right. Or they've got kind of a not so bright child go, I want to be a, a, a lawyer or a doctor. And it's like, nah, you're not going to do that. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why would that drives me crazy, Hannah? Why would you tell your children yeah. that? Because you're now you're in their head and now they won't do it. So my grandmother... You know, she had her faults and she had her flaws. But one thing, um, she had very successful children. Uh, I think three of her children were doctors. And uh, she had very competent, very confident children. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when you talk to her, she would instill confidence in you. Like, you can do it. Oh, well, you should, you can do that. You can become a doctor. It's not as hard as you think. If you worked, you could do that. And when you talked to my grandmother, you were like, oh, I could. I wonder if I could. And it just like, if for some reason, when, when talking to her, it just kind of like opened up like possibilities in your mind of, yeah, why couldn't I? Why not? Why couldn't I? Oh my goodness, I could. And it just like, it was inspiring talking to her because of that that and I so I'm like no wonder her kids became doctors and and, and achieved, so successful yeah because I I don't know that my because you can what's the John Ford yeah, quote what's holding you Not back John Ford. what's the Henry Ford quote whether you believe you can or you believe you can't you're right. Yeah. Now that's not, you know, at the same time, it drives me nuts when I watch like certain Disney movies or um, or certain movies geared towards kids where the main character doesn't work, doesn't get training, doesn't. And they're like, but if you just believe you can oh, do it. And that is the antithesis of what yeah, we say. It's, it's a minus the hard work. And all of a sudden one day they go, I can do it. And then they're like, I don't know, kung fuing their way and yeah. and all they of a sudden amazing, and, amazing and, and saving the day just because of the thought I can do it. That's not what That's not what, true. That's not true. Yeah. So I, I don't want to well, think, no. oh, just believe and you can do it. But no, you do want to realize, wait a minute, but if you don't I, want to crush if that I work if I worked at this and I went to school for this, I, why can't I do I could this? Do that. I I can. As opposed to I saying, can. no way, don't even bother. Yeah, or you're not up to this stuff. You're you're gonna fail. No, no, no. no. What's what's the Tom, Thomas Alva Edison quote? You know, uh, success is is one percent inspiration and ninety nine percent perspiration. The idea is that it's one percent believing that you can do it and ninety nine percent working to achieve that. Like that is actually a correct ratio. So, but we're saying as parents, my goodness, don't quash your kid's dream of whatever it may be instead like your grandmother hannah say oh well you could if you if you, you put, could why if you, not if you want to do that you, you need to put in the work and absolutely you can why not there's that with that just but but and, but the thing is is she wasn't insincere about it she because it it's was, true and she she came from a very successful family her sister was miss america her back in the 1950s um her brother was the top nba 
what, what was uh, his scoring champion for the for the year? Yeah, yeah, like four times. Mm-hmm. Like he he yep. achieved that. Um, her dad was an an inventor that you know very wealthy, very successful, and so she just she had come from this family of very successful people, but uh, the talking to her, she just instilled confidence in everybody. So having said that, uh, two more principles, and then we'll get into the practical application. But uh, principle kind of number three would be all of this is fine and dandy as long as what your kid wants to do is okay or right. Meaning you don't want to encourage them to do something illegal. (laughs) Like I want to be the leader of a cartel. Mm, Yeah, maybe we're not going to encourage that. I want to open my own casino. I want to make the best... I don't know. Meth. Meth. Like, or, you know, I, and I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I'm not going to encourage that behavior because that actually ends up hurting other people. And if if whatever you pursue ends up hurting other people, it's probably not something you should pursue. So let's just, it, it sounds funny even saying this, but and maybe it's obvious to other people, but in case it's not, like you don't need to encourage your children in everything that they want to do. Just, just the things that, are not illegal or hurt other people. Yeah, immoral, illegal, unethical. Yeah. Let's not do those things. Yeah, so, so that's number three. <laughs> number four is don't, and, and this, is a, this is kind of a warning, is don't su- uh, superimpose your dreams onto your children. And a lot of parents do this where they try to live vicariously through their children, where the, there are these over-enthusiastic parents that they... They never got to play basketball, and so they're going to make sure their son gets all the training. And the kids like, I just, I, I just want to play piano. But no, dad's like, or you're going to play I basketball. I just wanted or- to play basketball for fun. You're kind of going overboard here, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, um, I was just doing this for fun, and you're like trying to train me for the NBA. I don't. You know what? I, I'm not interested in basketball anymore. And so, yeah, how, how do you prevent that? Because, yeah, how do you know if it's actually your child's dream or if it's your own ego and your own yeah. that that your over enthusiasm for it will actually be you like controlling your kid and trying to to live vicariously through your child? How can you make sure that's not that's not what's going on? So, having said that. I guess the, the big question is, let's get into the kind of the practical nuts and bolts of how do you get into this? How do you find out or how, how do you help your kids develop their superpowers? And I think the first thing is you got to have the conversation. Pull your kid aside and say, you know what? I noticed you really like acting. You, you want to do acting? And the kid be like, yeah. Well, time out. How do you know that they really want to do acting? You don't. Just because they're enthusiastic or say they want to do it, or it, it could be a fad, it could be they're trying to please you. There are a million reasons why a kid may say they want to do something. Oh, their friends are doing it. Who knows? Or they saw a video and it got them excited, but it's going to dissipate in, in a week or a, or a month. So how do you know? Well, at this point, it doesn't matter. The first step is just having the conversation. You like acting? Yeah, I do. Okay. What? And this is what you say. What can I, as your mom or as your dad, what can I do to help you be successful? And if they respond positively to that, you know you're on the right track. And what you're going to do is you'll be like, okay, 
let's get some books or, you know, let's study some actors or let's talk to some people. Let's take some classes. Yeah, so do a little bit of research about about it so you you know like oh what do you do to develop that talent what do what have other people done who are actually doing this professionally how did they get there right and if if the enthusiasm continues as they go down this journey you know okay this may be this may be real this may be a a a real desire of your children so then the next thing would be help them find the best teachers, help them find the best schools. As we talked about in the very beginning, Hannah, it doesn't matter how much your enthusiasm, how, how strong your commitment. If you're, tra- oh my gosh, if you're getting lousy training, if you're at Dolly Dinkle's school for dance, you're going to be spending all this energy and all this time learning incorrectly. And you, and when it finally comes to light that you've been learning incorrectly, it, that in and of itself may be enough to crush your dream. Cause you're like, I have practiced for years incorrect technique, and now I'm going to have to relearn all of it. Forget it. I'm done. Yeah. I, now I can't people have this. done that. Um, who's that singer? Adele. Adele. Adele is a good example of somebody who had that experience and had to do the hard work of breaking the bad Steph Curry. habits. Steph Curry, same thing. Yeah. He had, he had his shot was incorrect. Oh right. And he had to spend an, an entire summer re, redoing his shot. And eight eight hours a day all summer long, and he's like, it was so miserable. And I, but obviously, it's paid off because now he's an amazing, <laughs> amazing shooter and all that. But and same with Adele, obviously, it paid off. But yeah, um, yeah. so but that's that's very difficult and very discouraging. That happened to me with both dance and um, piano, where I had not learned correct technique, but I had worked very very hard at incorrect technique and so then when I finally like was placed in a class where the correct training was available it was actually I realized it was a lot harder Um, it was it would have been easier and faster if I had never had any classes because you because you have to unlearn you have to unlearn those muscle memories as you talked about those neuron connections yeah you have to undo them and then redo them yeah it would have been it's a lot easier to start with a blank slate and so like for example with dance I I mentioned uh, Carol Erks earlier she had mentored me in dance uh, at the end of junior high and through high school and she was the one who took me back to my plies and tendus and you know back to very basics trying to relearn how to do all these things and do them correctly and it was very tedious it was very hard work and I watched other girls as as that company began forming I watched other girls walking into into that studio who were 12 years old had never had any dance at all but were immediately given the gift of a professional dancer training them. And within four years, they were as good or better than the group of girls I was with who had been taking dance since they were, you know, four or five. Mm. They just were able to progress so much faster if they had correct training from the get-go. But relearning that, it can be very discouraging watching that and, and struggling up that mountain of having to unlearn bad habits. So that's one thing you as the mom or the dad can do to help your kids develop their superpowers is is help them find correct information, correct training, correct classes, correct uh, good teachers 
again, and go back to, you know, my experience with basketball, I had no training whatsoever. And it was really discouraging to me when I finally figured out what to do because I'm like, it would have made my shot so much better. It would have made my defense so much better. Man, what it would have been wonderful if I had actually gotten some actual training. That really helps. Uh, another example would be uh, we, we, had, we put our daughter into acting classes because one of our daughters is really into acting and she's quite good. She has that natural talent and she enjoys it a lot. And we put her into an acting class and they had this policy at this studio that parents couldn't couldn't watch, couldn't interrupt because it was too much of a distraction. We're like, okay, fine, whatever. Then COVID came along and it was all online and we got to see the notes and the, and the, the directing that was being done in this class. And they were expensive classes. They yeah, were like they, really expensive. This highly rated pro level classes. And we watched the, the, these online classes because now we could finally see them. And the, 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 the coach was giving my daughter notes like, give me more anger. And we're like, what? what? Okay, even as a non-professional actor, I know that's horrible, horrible direction. That's not how actor. That's it, not how actors should that's not be how you directed. That's that, not, that everything about that was um, wrong. It doesn't give you a genuine performance. It's not. Uh, and I was like, wait, where these classes are a hundred dollars a class? Because wait, it's, what? It, it's it's a it's a unmotivated. It, it's not a specific reason for doing something. So you get a non-specific. Emotion. It's just, it's, it's all backwards. So we decided, oh, okay, really, that we're not doing this anymore, first of all. But secondly, it just reinforced our idea that you can't be too careful who's training your children. So, yeah, you need to be able to, if teachers are not willing to let you ever sit in on the class or see what's run going away on, screaming. That's, that's not helpful. That's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, another tip is to, once your kids get into it and, and you know, they, they've done the research, they've started taking classes, that they're, they're, they're showing that they're actually, this isn't just a passing fad. Maybe they're actually more dedicated and they, they've got that long-term commitment going on. You need to enter them into some competitions. And this, this, this serves a lot of purposes, but it's really cool because what happens is when the kids get into these competitions, first of all, they see where they stack up. And more often than not, they're, they, they are their own harshest judge and the kid will get into the competition and go oh i'm not as bad as i thought oh these other kids struggle with this too oh i'm right on i'm right in line with everybody else or ideally wow i'm a lot i'm better than most people i can't i I didn't realize that because they have this idea in their head that oh i'm no good and everyone's a professional but me which we talked about earlier where nope everyone starts out as an amateur it's only a select few though that pursue it and, and put in the work to become professional and that's what we're talking about, where the kids, when they're first starting out, it's really easy to drop out because that, that amateur hour, it kicks in. And you're like, oh, I'm just amateur. But once they get into these competitions, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I, I am good. And, and I'm reminded of, you know, uh, our one daughter who we have several. I, I don't know why this is, but we have several children who are surprisingly good artists. One in particular uh, entered in an, uh, an art show and won first place. And she got invited to do another art show with the, the city of Sacramento, the Chalk It Up. And it was exciting for her because she got there and she did her artwork and it was, and she knew that she was really good. And it was very comforting to her to realize, 
oh, wow, I, I do have talent. And it confirmed her. It was just it, it, people. People are enjoying looking at my artwork, or hmm. this I, is something and, I, I enjoy and I want to pursue. But she also was inspired looking at the other artwork. There was some other really cool artwork, but it was actually inspiring to see have all the artists together yep, and yep. and go. Oh well, I'm not the only one who draws and and you know loves doing this. And, yeah, and the, the, so kind of was, that sense of community, I guess. Yeah, belonging. Yeah, it, it was a very positive positive experience. Now, I, I granted maybe a competition could go sideways. I don't know, but right. but uh, we also recently had uh, kids taking a debate class. And they finally had the opportunity to be in a speech and debate competition. And my one daughter was like, you know, she was shaking. She was so scared. Like ahead of time, like her teacher was trying to practice with her and she couldn't remember anything because she was so nervous about this competition. But when it actually came to it and she's able to see the other kids and go, wait a minute, I'm actually on level I'm, I'm, I'm on level with yep. them. I, I may even be better or whatever, but it just afterwards, she, she was still shaking from the the adrenaline of it because uh, of competing that day. And she was like, that actually really boosted my confidence. And she was, she was thrilled about it. It was a really uh, exciting thing, but she's like, I'm actually funny. I actually, uh, I can do this. I can get up in front of people. I can talk. And that was a really good experience. But on the flip side, it's also, it's fascinating to watch where we had one child who we put into one sport and we thought they would love it because they seemed to be kind of a natural athlete and they hated it. They wanted nothing to do with it. And then when we put them in a different sport, Again, and, and it, game time. Game time is basically like putting them in a competition. So come game time, boy, this kid dominated. And he loved it. And we're like, oh, well, there we go. That's Turns out that's what they wanted to do. So these the competitions are really cool in that uh, it does. It really helps the kids kind of solidify if they enjoy it or not and if they want to pursue it. And if not, here's the great thing. It's not on you. It's on them. They're the ones who come back to you and say, you know what, dad, mom, I really thought I wanted to play piano, but I went to this competition and it's not what I'm willing to spend my time and energy on. I'd rather focus my time and energy on this. And you and mom and dad, you're not the bad guys. You're not the one that's crushed anybody's dream. And your kid still has that enthusiasm, but that you've now satisfied they that, that decision. Itch. Yeah. They, make, they make the decision, but you have always been supportive yep and so that's that's the key to kind of finish finish this up that we just have two more well no we have three more like pro tips that when when you're going through this process tip number one when you go and check out here this uh, this was your observation Um, pro tip number one Okay, so a lot of times uh, your kids have interests that are different than things that you did or were interested in. And so one of the things that we talked about was, okay, hard work is important. Correct training is important. Yeah, and see, Uh, one of my sons wanted to play football. And I'm a basketball player. I did not know the first thing about football. I, don't, I didn't know that you had to have seven people on the line. You have to have two people off the line. But I had, I had no idea. That's how football, they, I didn't even know you had 11 players on the offense and one on, and on 11 on the D. I didn't know that. And so I had to get myself educated 
so I could help him. But even then, like, how would I know if a teacher's good? Right, right. And so um, a lot of times that's a challenge that I have is like, I'm not a singer, yet I have a kid who wants, I have a kid who wants to sing opera where, you know, that's not something I, you know, but to her, she loves opera music. She loves the sound of it. She has a, her voice goes up there. Mine does not, you know, but, but that's what, you know, and I'm like, oh, how do you know if somebody's a good singing teacher? Yeah, I don't know. I'm tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but here's, here's something I noticed. I do have a background in dance. And I, I can recognize if, you know, if, if there's correct dance training going on. But even then, I found like, okay, there are all these dance studios in town, uh, you know, without going in there and taking classes personally. How would you know that it's a, it's a good dance class? Well, one time I was doing this. I was shopping around for good dance classes. And I walked into this one studio and they had a dance class going on. And I assumed that it was their beginning level class. Mm. And I said, oh, is this your beginning level class? And they were like, no, these are advanced dancers. And I was like, oh. And And you turned around and walked right out. And I was like, yeah, that that was it. But at that moment, I realized that one of the keys of finding a good place to take dance classes is to go, instead of watching their beginning level classes, because it doesn't matter if you're at a good studio or a, a maybe not so great studio, their beginning level students are all going to be terrible. It doesn't matter. So what you got to do is you got to go, oh, when is your top level team meeting? Mm. When, when, when are those people here practicing and go watch them, even though that, that's not the class that your kid's going to be in. Your kid's going to be in the beginning level class. That's not the class you want to go watch. You want to watch the end product, not the beginning. Right. You want to go watch the piano recital where they have the older kids, you know, their 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 top students playing because exactly. that's that's what you want to see, and, and you so, want to see where your kid's going to end up. Yes. So that's pro tip number one. Yes. Yeah, go and go and watch the most advanced classes the instructor offers, and or and here's pro tip number two. Pro tip number two. I had work work backwards. Work Do back- the opposite. If, like, for example, you don't have time to drive all around and you have a lot of choices and you don't know which one's the right one and you don't know anything about the the sport or talent, uh, it's not something that you're familiar with. This happened to me when my kids wanted to do gymnastics. And so I said, hmm, gymnastics. I don't know anything about that. I started calling around and I looking at websites and I really wasn't getting a lot of Hannah, there's confidence. so much information out yeah, there. There's, How would you know? Yeah. And so instead what I did is I was like, huh, I wonder if any Olympic athletes have come from here. And so I, I looked up, okay, have any Olympic athletes come from my city? And sure enough, an Olympic athlete had come from here and I it had it online where they had trained. And so I was like, okay. We'll go there. <laughs> and it saved me so much time. And yes, it's a great place. It's a great place, great training. 
but I don't have to worry because I know an Olympic, an Olympic athlete came out of there. So it couldn't be all that bad. So, so you can work backwards. You can go, huh, I wonder if any professional dancers have come from this studio mm. or have, have any of your dancers gone to Joffrey or, you know, any of these places once they've graduated right. from here. You know, that, that's a good sign. So, and then the last pro tip, and this really isn't even a pro tip, Hannah. This is a, a universal constant. And we probably should have led with this, but we, we saved it for the last because it, it's it may be no, it is the single most important thing when helping your children develop their superpowers and making sure that you're not wasting your time or your energy. Not wasting your time and energy, but also making sure that you're not trying to live vicariously right. through them. Right. And you're not the one pushing them into this. Because you don't you don't want to be that mom or dad, right? Yeah. You're like, I want to support my kids, but I don't want to be like pushing them right. and trying to live my life through them. Okay, so this is the key to supporting them, but not making sh- but making sure you're not the one putting all the enthusiasm into it. And, and it's, it's very it, and it's very it's simple. So easy. Have them pay for it. Have your kids be the ones to pay for this superpower, whether it's art or dance or music or sports, have them basically put the money where the mouth is, where if their enthusiasm is that strong that they're willing to pay for it, you know that they're interested. If they're not willing to pay for it, no way. I'll I'll give you a quick example. When I was 13, I had a paper out. I had, I don't know, maybe $1,000 in the bank. If someone had told me I could get basketball training for $1,000, I would have given all of my money right then and there. That's how much I loved basketball. The opportunity was never given to me, but I know for a fact I would have had no problem parting with my hard-earned money because I loved basketball so much. Now, other kids, given the, hey, you want to take these these basketball courses? They'll be like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. Sure. It reminds me of our directed spending video, Hannah, where you explain the same concept, where you take your kids to the store and you say, hey, do you like this shirt? And the kid goes, oh, yeah, I like it, mom. You can buy it. But when it's their money that they're spending. <laughs> All of a sudden, they're like, no, I don't like that shirt enough. No way. I'm not spending my money on oh, that. Oh, I like that shirt, but I don't like it $25 worth. Like, I know I can find that shirt somewhere else, like at, a, at an ex- clothing exchange for a or quarter of the price. I just don't like it that much. I'm yeah. not willing to spend my money on that. I, I, I so, can find something nicer. So this is the great litmus test. If your kids aren't willing to pay for it, they're not that interested. But the flip side is, if they're willing to pay for it, that's a great indicator as to how much they are excited about learning or developing this particular superpower or talent. And you know what? And that's the thing is, this could go on for a month. Or a year, and then they could they they could they could get satiated and go. You know what? I tried that. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot, but it's not for me. And now that itch has been scratched, and they can move on to a different talent, and that's totally fine. And I guess we could get into the whole. Well, you know, you made the commitment to the team, and you need to stick with it. Blah blah blah. And that I guess maybe that's for another podcast. But the idea is, you do want to support your kids, but if they do make a commitment to a team. They shouldn't be arbitrarily quitting and, and stopping midway. No, you need to yeah, finish up the season. Up but the after season. that, absolutely. Yeah. So, and, that, and those are kind of it. Those are those are our thoughts on how to help your kids develop their superpowers. And, and it would be basically to, just to recap, you know, 
there are a lot of ways that you can crush your kids' dreams. Don't do that. Don't tell them they can't do it. Instead, say, oh, yes, you can. If you want to put in the effort, if you want to put in the work, why not? That really should be the question. Why not? And we gave the example of like O.J. Simpson or that uh, uh, Carol Erks or your grandmother or that movie Rudy where you have all these people where the idea is, this is the overriding principle, is that uh, all professionals used to be amateurs. All of them. There are no exceptions. Not a single one of them was born a professional. Every one of them made the choice and the dedication to become the professional. Every single one of them. And this idea that athletes are somehow superior or that these professionals are somehow genetically superior is hogwash. And so what you need to do if you want to help your kids cultivate their dreams is to have the conversation with them. What can I do to help? And then we talked about it, like help them find the the training and the teachers and the opportunities and the competitions to really distill, you know, how interested they are and to support them and then ultimately hand them the bill and say, hey, okay, this is how much it's going to cost. Are you still interested? And boy, it's going to be amazing because you're like, turns out they are. Or maybe they're not. But that's the great thing is it's on them. And there you have it. Those, those, are, the, those are all of our thoughts on, on how to help your kids develop their, their superpowers. If you like what you hear in this podcast, please tell your friends they may want to listen to. We may answer a question they currently have. And if you have a suggestion for a future podcast, please go to our website under support, click contact us, send us an email, and we'll get right on it. And that's it for today. Enjoy once again our mystery guest composition. We'll see you next time. Me too! What a pain.